Well, hello, everybody. You doing okay? All right. You ready for a good word? God has a good word for you today. I hope that you are open to receive it. Uh, this word is somewhat difficult on this journey that we're all taking together. This might be kind of a road bump in the process, but uh, I don't want to let that get you down because God has something fantastic for your life. As, as you have come in today a certain type of a person, my prayer is that you will leave a completely different person, a person who is free, a person who is living life to its fullest, a person who understands this whole idea of faith. Do you have your Bibles with you? I hope you do, because we're going to be looking at a lot of Scripture today. So let's begin in Luke chapter 16, uh, beginning with verse 9. Jesus is speaking, and he says, And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth. Literally, the word is mammon, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, and again, this word is mammon, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And again, this word is mammon. The Pharisees, who were lovers of money, heard all these things, and they ridiculed him. And he said to them, You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Father, I pray too today that you would speak to these dear people who are here this morning. Lord, get me out of the way. I pray that you would use me as your mouthpiece. But I pray the focus would be on you today. I pray that people would be able to hear you speak in such a way that it makes a difference in their lives. So today, I pray that you would help people who are here, who are in bondage, to break free. In Jesus' name, amen. Is there anything that God can't do? You say, whoa, wait a minute, that sounds like a trick question. I thought God could do anything. Well, God can't go against his character or against his nature. He can't do anything that would be against his character. And in likewise, in, in, in like ways, he can't bless you if you're in bondage to a spirit of something that is not of him. Now, I want to be an encouragement to you today. I, wanna, I want to um, help you. I, I want to um, allow God to use me to speak to you in such a way that you would see and hear what God is trying to say to you this morning about this particular issue. See, the big idea of this message is this. God wants to bless you so you can be a blessing to other people. God wants to bless you so that he can get his resources 
to hurting people all over the world. But he can't do that if you're giving your life to something else. If your allegiance is to another God. Now we read in this passage in Luke about Jesus talking about this idea of mammon. What is mammon? On the surface, you might think, well, it's money or it's wealth. Don't be fooled because it goes deeper than that. Mammon was a Babylonian god, the god of money. Have you ever heard of the Tower of Babel? Anybody ever heard of the Tower of Babel? Well, just as a side note, uh, these towers that were built, they were called ziggurats, Z-I-G-G-U-R-A-T, ziggurats. And they were built in such a way where uh, the foundation was wide and then they built it up a little bit and then they built it up a little. It got narrow as it went up. And at the top, there would be temples that would be built where people would uh, worship their deities and they would burn things and smoke would come off, you know, off of all of these ziggurats and, and all of that. And, and uh, I, I learned this week in my research that um, the Surgeon General of uh, Babylon, you know, gave the warning that smoking cigarettes is a hazard to your health. <laughs> so a- as these people were building these towers, they said, let us build this tower to the heavens. Let us make a great name for ourselves. Everything was focused on Self, pride, and arrogance. By the way, the same things that got Lucifer kicked out of heaven, the same things that got Cain in trouble, as we learned last week. Pride and arrogance, these attitudes, these attitudes that were anti-God. So in a real simple sense, mammon is a spirit of anti-God. Mammon is a spirit of anti-God. Christ. So if you want to see what Jesus is doing with his audience, he's using a rhetorical device here called personification. And he's taking these attributes of pride and arrogance, and he's personifying this into a spirit of anti-Christ. And so what he's saying is this whole thing about serving two masters It's more than just about money. It's more than just about wealth. It's about what God are you worshiping today? What God are you worshiping today? Now, this is pretty serious. And my sense is that there are probably some people here who are under a bondage of this particular spirit. And you know what my prayer would be? My prayer would be that... that that you would be set free, that, 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 that you would be able to break the spirit so that you could live life to its fullest as God has designed it to be. That's my prayer. That's my hope. I, wa- I want to be um, a coach or an encourager to you today and say, you can do it. You can do it. You can leave here a different person. You can leave here free. And here's how you can break free from that bondage today. Look at point number one. Be open to the truth about God's revelation and reality. Jesus says in Luke 
16, verse 13, No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot, not maybe, not hopefully, he says you cannot serve God and money. It's impossible to have two total allegiances. He said you will be despised. He, will, he says you'll be devoted to one and you will despise the other. Have you ever known anybody who despised God over their finances? They, just, they were just mad, angry at God. Now let me ask you a question about this. Does it really make sense that if your allegiance is to mammon and things don't go the way mammon promised, that you should despise God? Really? What, what's up with that? Would you get mad at God because mammon doesn't come through on a promise that it could never keep in the first place? That's like a, that's like a child, you know, who gets mad at mom and dad because their toys break. Be careful because mammon is really, really subtle. And you begin to hear the voice that says, you know, if you'll serve me, then you'll be able to help a whole lot of other people. If you just accumulate more and you get bigger things and you got more in your sandbox to play with, then you'll really be able to help a whole lot of other people. It's like the guy who says, you know... I'm playing the lottery so that when I win, see, mammon promises that if you have the right clothes, if you have the right job, if you have the right car, if you live in the right house, if you have the right you fill in the blank, then your life will be fulfilled, you'll find meaning, you'll find purpose. Everything will be happy. There's only one problem with that. And the problem is that's a lie. That's a lie. The spirit of mammon, the spirit of anti-God, the spirit of anti-Christ is lying because the spirit of anti-God is anti-truth. It's anti-reality. God has revealed himself to us through his word, both in the Bible and through his son Jesus. And what you find here is reality. See, the issue is people are living in a world that is not reality. Under the bondage of this particular spirit. Because mammon's economy is temporal. It doesn't last. Things break. I have to get new toys. They wear out. Here's the contrast. God has never, ever, one time lied about anything. Never. He has never lied one time. All of his promises are true. Every single one of his promises are true. Now, why is this important? We find his promises in his revelation. We find his promises in the reality of Jesus Christ. This is important because what we believe to be ultimate reality will determine where our final loyalties and allegiances lie. 
So when Jesus says you cannot serve God and mammon, he's giving us a reality check. And the people who were listening to Jesus had a choice to make. And you have a choice to make today. It's a reality check. The truth is this. You cannot, you cannot serve God and mammon. Now, if we choose God, that leads to a whole new understanding of what success is, which leads to point number two. Look what Jesus says in Luke 16, verse 9. He says, And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, literally when it dies, like you die, like when you die, they may receive you into eternal dwellings. Now, this may sound strange at first because it's like Jesus is saying, okay, uh, should we buy friends? Should we use our money to actually buy friends and make friends? Actually, he says, take your money and submit it to God. And it will be used to bring people into the kingdom. It will be those people who will welcome you into heaven when you get there. Wow. Is that awesome or what? Is that a good thing? As we invest our resources, God's resources, into kingdom things, and people's lives are changed, and they come to know God through Jesus Christ, and they go to heaven, they will be the ones welcoming us. Wow. We've sent people to Haiti and Sierra Leone, and we've sent people around the world and People are coming into the kingdom because of the investment that we are making as a church. And it's those people who actually come to God that we might walk around in eternity with in the day, in, 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 when, when we go to heaven. And they will be saying, thank you for the investment that you made. Now watch this. The fact that you have money is a good thing. You may be thinking, whoa, wait a minute, Pastor. I thought, I thought that money was evil. No, money is not evil. The Bible says that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. But money itself is not. Look at this verse in 1 Timothy chapter 6. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. As for the rich in this present age, and by the way, compared to the world standards of living you, every single one of us, are rich. Rich in this present age. Charge them not to be haughty. Uh-oh, here is that attitude of pride and arrogance. Nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty, the temporality of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, and to be generous and ready to share. Thus, storing up treasure for themselves is a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. See, money is neutral. It's a tool. It can be used for good. It can be used for bad. But from God's perspective, it doesn't matter how much money that you have. But watch this. The spirit of anti-God the spirit of Antichrist says the more money that you make, the more successful you are. 
the more money that you make, the more money that you have, the more things that you have in your playground, the more successful that you are. Jesus turns that thinking upside down because he redefines success because he looks at success with eternity in view and his focus is not on things, but his focus is on people. I don't know about you, but I know there are a whole lot of people who are losing sleep today. I mean, there are a whole lot of you out there that, that, that's losing sleep. The truth is everybody is losing sleep. It just depends on the focus for your loss of sleep. Living under the spirit of mammon, you're going to be losing sleep over worrying about losing dollars. You're going to be losing sleep over worrying about losing the possessions that you have or the deal that you're working on and not coming through. And, and, and all of the focus is, is on things. But if we have Jesus' perspective of success, a long-term view, we're also going to be losing sleep. But we're going to be losing sleep on that spouse who does not know God. See, we're going to be losing sleep on that family member who is far from God. And those millions of people around the world who've never, ever had a chance to hear the name Jesus. Look what Jesus says in verse 11. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you true riches? What are true riches? People are true riches. I want you to think about the names of these people on the wall all around this room. We can't kid ourselves. If we're not faithful with the money that we have, God will not entrust us with these people. Think about it. Some of your names, your names were on this wall not too long ago. Someone must have been faithful with their money and their wealth because you, as God's true riches, have been entrusted to us by God. What an awesome thought that is. So will you be found faithful with your wealth so that God will entrust to you true riches? See, Jesus doesn't define success by how much I have, but whose is it? Whose is it? And that leads us to point number three. Entrust the little to God as your expression of generosity. And here's the big point of the whole thing today. Look in verse 10. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. Do you realize that the little that he's talking about here is a test? God is testing you with the little that you have. And if you'll be faithful with that little, God will entrust you with more. But he cannot bless you with more if you're not faithful with the little. 
think about it this way. Here is God, big God with everything. God owns it all. God has it all. God, God is just God, right? He's got all the resources. He's got everything this world needs. He's got it all. That's God. That's the big God that we serve. And then over here are people, hurting people, people who have needs, people who are gasping for breath because they're suffocating, living under bondage. People in our community who are looking for hope and healing and help. People around the world who've never, ever heard the name Jesus. The people that you work with in your office, in your home, in your neighborhood, in your community. Here here are all of these people with all kinds of needs. How is it that God is going to get his resources, all that he has to those people who are in need. How is he going to do that? Through you and through me. God wants you to be a channel, a conduit, so that he can flow his resources through our lives to meet the needs of the people who have critical needs, hurting people. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? He wants to use you. He wants to use me. He wants to use us to be able to do that. Do you know what God calls people who allow him to move his resources through them to meet the needs of people? He calls them good stewards. Good stewards. And there is no limit to how God will bless a good steward. No limit. God does not put a limit on that at all. So since the little is a test, you have a choice. We have a choice. Now, that leads us to point number four. We need to ask and answer the right question to test our honesty. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that that one has died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves but for him. He points out two ways that we can live, for self or for him. The spirit of mammon always asks the question, is it worth it? Whatever you're living for, is it worth it? What I'm asking you to consider this morning is this question. Is Jesus worth it? We could ask the woman at the well in Samaria if Jesus is worth it. We could ask the woman who had health issues for 12 years who reached out and touched Jesus if, it was, if he was worth it. We could ask the man who had been blind since birth who was healed if Jesus is worth it. You're making a decision for a person 
who wants to do a miracle in your life. Now, my hunch is that today, if you were honest, what you've been living for hasn't been worth it. Because things keep breaking. Things keep having to be replaced. Things keep wearing out. What you've been living for is just not worth it. When it comes to the deep, soul-satisfying sense of meaning and purpose in life, Jesus is the only one that makes it worth it. Do you believe that he's worth it? Would you choose him today? Would you say in your heart, I'm choosing Jesus today? I want to be a channel of God's blessing in the lives of other people. I want to encourage you to take that step. Point number five, keep taking steps of faith towards spiritual maturity. You can do it. You can do it. You say, I'm tired. Yeah, I know. Me too. We can do it together. You say, yeah, I just don't know if it's... Oh, wait a minute. Wrong question. Jesus is worth it. Keep taking those steps towards spiritual maturity. See, the, the, the um, choice is freedom or life, bondage or death. And it is a slow, agonizing, painful suffocating death, living and trying to please the spirit of mammon. These steps that you take must be based on God's truth, God's revelation, God's reality. Proverbs twenty nine eighteen says, where there is no vision, where there is no revelation, the people perish. God's desire is that we serve him, not the anti-God. And the reason why that's so important is because we want to see thousands of people in this community come to God through Jesus Christ. This is God's heart. This is what we're about. We're here for those who are not here yet. There are thousands of people just in our community that are waiting for hope and healing and help to come. Names represented on these walls. Thousands of people. Thousands of people. And as we take these steps towards spiritual maturity, we learn that we begin to give, not to get, but for the sake of the kingdom. The return is for God's kingdom. And we're asking God to meet the needs of people as we become channels of blessing where we are. You know, it's my prayer that you'll be a good steward. So when God speaks to you, you will do whatever he asks you to do. That's my prayer for you today. Let's pray. What is it that you have been living for? 
Is it for those things that break and need to be replaced? And all of the things that the world defines as successful? If so, you have an opportunity today to make a choice. To be a channel of God's blessing to people who are hurting, to people who are in need. That's your choice today. My question is, will you make that choice? Will you say yes to God? As the Spirit is speaking to you today, what is He telling you to do? My prayer for you is that you would do it. Father, thank you for these dear, precious, precious people. Thank you that you have a plan and a purpose for each of our lives and that you want us to break free from the bondage that we're under. Lord, set people free today. In Jesus' name, amen.